Welcome to the Human Design Collective Podcast, where we explore this system as a unique map of our potential, from the mundane to the mystical. In today's episode, we introduce you to our hosts and guides, Amy Lee and John Cole. Both are professional analysts and teachers using the Human Design System. We discuss what led us to this practice and how the Human Design Collective was formed. Interviewed by NLP practitioner and human design guide, Kendra Current. Well, Amy and John, hello. Hello. (laughs) Well, I'm excited to dive into a conversation here with the both of you because, um, you know, I've known you for some time on the Human Design Collective and have had my own journey with the work and your work has been very much part of that in in my human design experiment. And I'd love to just kind of dive in and pick your brains a little bit and also hear about your trajectory in the world of human design. And also we'll have an opportunity, I imagine, to talk about the collective and sort of the purpose behind it and how it's been going for you. So I want to start with, you know, both of you each came to human design from different perspectives. And, um, you know, John, you have been an astrologer for many, many years um, and found some things in the human design world that you just didn't see in the land of astrology. So I'm curious to hear a bit about that. And also, Amy, you practiced many different kinds of counseling and therapy and dove into mystery school land and got, um, you know, divination tools from various practices and then found yourself in the world of human design. And it seems like it's been a slower process over the years of digesting the material and just kind of growing in potency in terms of how it's impacted your world. So Mm -hmm. I'll pause there and just invite both of you to share um, a little bit about your journeys and how you came into contact with human design and what it's meant for each of you. Great. Who wants to start? Kendra. Would you like to go first, John? <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's right. I was introduced to astrology at a fairly young age by my mother, who's an astrologer. And after an initial period of, uh, I guess you could say, ignorant skepticism, I ended up agreeing to go get a astrology reading with an astrologer, which was pivotal. I went in pretty defensive and came out wanting just to get as much of that knowledge and system as I could to explore it for myself. And then that set off about a a 20 year journey through various systems of astrology and uh, going in and out of a astrological practice at different times. And then it was about probably about five years ago now that an astrologer friend of mine dropped human design in my lap and said, you should really look at this. And my, I remember my first reaction to it was, what in the world is this? What, like, it's got the I Ching, it's got these, the, the centers, the chakras, you know, there's this body graph, here are the planets. And it was a little bit overwhelming at first, but I felt like there was something there that I had to explore. And then finding out, you know, once I started diving into it, finding out just what it meant to be a projector, which is my type, was just 
probably one of the, the biggest wake up calls of, uh, I've ever had in my life. And it ended up explaining so many things that I hadn't been able to make sense of in the context of, you know, the systems that I had studied with astrology and just my own observations in life. I had gone through several periods of, of burnout and exhaustion, and I'd been basically exploring that from a both a, a Western medicine and the Eastern medicine, alternative medicine standpoint. And it was actually human design was the first thing that I found that that uh, basically said, hey, there's 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 nothing really wrong with you. It's not this is not pathological. It's just you're not you know, you're not operating in the way that you're designed to. And I started understanding what that meant and then started experimenting with it. And, you know, I ended up taking, I guess, in comparison to Amy, like uh, a, the fast path. I just dove in as deep and hard as I could and started taking classes pretty much immediately and then went into analyst training and I haven't stopped. And so, yeah, it's it's been a, a very interesting journey. I guess you could look at it in the long term, kind of starting with systems like astrology, but it's been a bit of a crash course in human design over the last five years as well. What would you say, given your experience, is the most striking difference for you in terms of studying astrology and studying human design? I'd say it's probably the emphasis on the body that human design brings. You know, you could see that literally in the, you know, in the chart, you know, where we have black and red, we have the mind and body, conscious and unconscious, or personality and design. And I think that's kind of what was missing, is a lot of what I was working with in my life was a deeper understanding of my body, how my energy was designed to work. And I didn't feel like I was able to get that in, in, at least in my understanding of these astrological systems. Although there were elements to it or aspects of it, it felt like human design really opened that up for me or or gave me something much more deeper and practical to work with. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Amy. Mm -hmm. Do you like share your journey? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like you said, I I had studied a bunch of different systems, um, things that were, really esoteric and energetic and psychically based and things that were a little bit of astrology and then sunk in more with some somatic emotionally based therapies a little more in the realm of psychotherapy and i was pretty convinced i was going to go to school to become a psychotherapist and then i ended up uh, having my daughter and finding human design in the same few months. I found human design a few months after my daughter was born in 2009. And it just probably a similar thing, two things I would say. The projector thing really grabbed me right away, me being a projector as well. And also me getting to see right away that my whole family and all of my closest friends were projectors. Uh, My whole birth family and my closest friends were all projectors. And that kind of struck me and grabbed me right away. And then also pretty early on, I watched a lot of Ra's videos, Ra being the founder of human design. And I was really taken with him. I sort of loved and hated him simultaneously. And it really got to me in some way, but I just wanted to like figure this dude out and try to understand like, where is he coming from? And 
he would say certain things and it would really turn me off and then he would say other things and it would feel like it lit up my whole universe. So it was a, it was really fascinating right from the start to, to come into things that way. And then because I had a newborn baby, I really didn't, I didn't quite have the time or the space or the focus to like dive in as intensely as I probably would have if it had been a different time in my life. But the thing that it did give me, which was really beautiful from the start, was the chance to have a lot of birth times of a lot of babies. <laughs> and, you know, as I was interacting with young mothers and, and other parents, and everybody had, you know, pretty much everybody had really good birth times. So I spent those first couple years really just experimenting with myself, my closest friends, and then observing these children, these babies. And, and that's still something that feels very special to me in a way, because I have, I have a good handful of young children who are now 10, 11, 12 years old, and I've gotten to see them through, through their development and have a sense of their design. So I took it slow. It took me a, a bunch of years to play with it in my own personal world. And then I slowly started bringing it into my counseling practice. And then it just became obvious that I, I really wanted to go whole hog into, into human design as a system. And so the two of you met in, in the human design community in trainings together mm -hmm. and then decided to create the human design collective together. And my understanding is that you saw that there was a kind of a hole in terms of a kind of quality of support out there that you wanted to offer, particularly projectors entering into their experiment. And then it's kind of grown from there and including other types in the collective. I'd love to hear about your inspiration behind creating the collective and how it's been developing for you over time. Well, John should start with that because he, uh, I think, I think it was sort of conceived through you in a way and, and through some conversations we'd had. It's really kind of interesting to think about now looking back. Mm -hmm. uh, it, I think it came from a combination of things that I was, that I was seeing and experiencing out in the world. I guess when I originally came to Amy and presented the idea um, we had been in the, the professional analyst training and we'd been putting some study groups together and we were kind of working through the material together and, and having conversations both in class and offline. And um, one of the things that was kind of on my radar was the, interestingly, the, the coming global changes that, you know, I think without going too far into that right now, um, we're, we're seeing something like that coming uh, or happening. And one of the original ideas that we had for the collective was calling it the, the sleeping Phoenix collective for the cross of the sleeping mm -hmm. Phoenix. And we thought that would have been a little bit too abstract or just too like people just wouldn't even know what we were talking about. And so, but that, that was kind of the original inspiration is like, we should let's get together and study this, look at this and, and gather some allies and, see what this is about. And then we realized, you know, that most of the, you know, she and I are projectors and a lot of people I was talking with were, were projectors. And we also saw a need to support each other to, to kind of create a space where we could look at things together and study things together. Uh, I had been spending some time on Facebook 
And there are a lot of groups out there, human design groups, and there's some really, there's some smart people who have been in it, the system a while. There's a lot of good information. But what I was finding is like the signal to noise ratio was way off. You had to really go through a lot, digest a lot, process a lot, especially, you know, as a relatively open projector. And just to get to, to, to the, the stuff that I found resonance with. And so then it kind of turned into like, well, let's kind of create our own little site or community where we could gather together with some friends and anyone else who are interested and study and explore together. And so it started off initially as the projector collective when we first launched the site. And what we found was kind of interestingly is that we, we needed a little bit more energy in there and we didn't really want to be exclusive either. We wanted to open it up and enter interact and interface with everybody, anyone who resonated or was kind of, you know, drawn to what we were doing. And then we changed the name to human design collective to just to kind of expand it and open it up a bit. And that's, that's where we are now. And you've also begun offering living your design courses through the site and you have bi-monthly calls or monthly calls, <laughs> um, one specifically for projectors and then one for all types. Amy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I think a lot of what, a lot of what you can see out there, either in terms of people that are teaching courses or, or in terms of some of the different community sites, I, I think something about two things that came up as John and I were having initial conversations. One was that um, we were, we both had pretty active practices. So John was doing readings with people regularly. I was doing sessions with people regularly. So one of the things we started doing right away as we were in these analyst trainings was trying to translate what we were getting from this formal, you know, classroom training that we were in and then comparing notes Mm -hmm. based on our individual practices. And we were, I think we were really lucky to have that because I could see a lot of other students in the classes who didn't have a practice already established working with people. So most of their knowledge or how they were assimilating it was having to, you know, just go through their own, their own minds or their own experience or the few people around them. So one of the things I think that was uh, attractive to us was to have the opportunity to be able to interact with people who were really studying this within themselves, but also potentially working with other people. So we could all compare notes Mm -hmm. and really you know, make it real and understand, well, the, the book says this, or Ross said that, what, what are you actually seeing? And, and what, how can we learn from each other in a, in a very real and experiential way for me and with my profile, that's really, yeah, <laughs> really, really fitting. And then I think also as projectors and because, um, well, for me, certainly being a really open projector, I think we're both naturally pretty interactive so once we started to get into creating the site, it, I knew right away that I wanted to have live meetings and that we were going to need to be interacting with people to, to just make it real. And I think that's something that interested us both from the start was how does this become real and what is real about this whole thing and how can we explore yeah. that together? Well, let's go there. <laughs> I, I have this question kind of emerge as I was thinking about having this conversation with you and particularly for projectors 
there can be such a mind candy element of absorbing this knowledge and just kind of accumulating information, but not really infusing the life with the experiment itself. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, in a way, I've also seen where a lot of people can even go more deeply into self-judgment or the quality of the so-called not self by, you know, making mistakes in their experiment or, you know, whatever it might be, I'm, I'm doing it wrong or I don't like, do I know this or not? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it really isn't about how well am I doing? It's, it's really an experiment. And so I wonder if you would talk a little bit about um, this sort of not self quality versus, you know, what this is really all about is a process of exploration and coming into deeper self love. So have at it. (laughs) Go John. Oh yeah. (laughs) Well, I'll start. And uh, yes, I, well said, and I agree. It's it's too easy to take this this knowledge and this system as something like a dogma or a belief system or something that, that we end up adopting in some way, and then we begin living our life through. But living our life through more in a mental way than than seeing if these points of reference that we're given within the system are actually relevant or helpful in our own lives as as we just shift the way we're looking at things if, as we change our awareness and say, okay, for example, if, you know, the, let's just take something simple like waiting for the invitation as a projector, waiting to be seen and recognized. What happens if I do that? If I just, if I don't try to get attention or force something or initiate, how does that feel? And what, what, where does that go? What, what are the results versus when I do? And, as a projector, as someone who's very interested in systems, who studies astrology and, and pretty much anything else interesting along those lines, um, it's so easy for me to get interested in it just from a mental place. And, and that's okay. I, I enjoy that. There is a certain amount of just kind of mind food in all of this. But if it stays in that place and if that's all it is, or if, even worse, if we turn it around and we start using it to limit ourselves or limit our thinking or beat ourselves up with it, it's, it's counterproductive. It, it really best. It's just kind of a, a curiosity, you know, at that point and, um, or something interesting at, at worst, it's, it's just another dogma or belief system we adopt. And I don't really think it's supposed to be that. I don't, I don't think that was, I don't think it was Ra's intention when he brought it out there. And I don't really think that that's what the system is for. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would say, um, I actually found for myself that I was able to sort of absorb and, and remember and recall and, and verbal articulate a lot of the information pretty early on, but I didn't feel a whole lot of ground in terms of my own experience with feeling that I, I could, I could really feel secure in knowing that what I was saying was really true. I mean, there were some things that resonated f- for me and I could share that. But in the beginning, I think for me, it was sort of floating things out to people and then, and then seeing how they, how they reacted to it or what resonated for them. 
And I noticed early on that when I first started sharing the information with people in sessions, that sometimes I would first share it and people would react like, you know, if I said, you're not supposed to initiate as a generator, you need to wait to respond. And sometimes people would be like, oh, well, I don't, I don't like that. You know, they'd have a sort of uh, prefer preferential reaction to it. Like, well, I don't like that. I don't think that's true. And, and then it became this process of, of trying to get beneath that to where, okay, well, you don't have to believe it. I don't need you to believe it. I'm not even saying that it's true, but can we look at it together and see, you know, what, if, if we examine your experience, how, how has it gone when you initiate and when have things come to you and how has that gone? So in some ways I feel lucky that I, I was, I had a, a good handful of clients that I was working with more long-term. And so I could kind of float some of that stuff out to them and then, work with them enough or I knew enough about their history to be able to play with it in a, in a real way. And in that, I think having that attitude of like, I'm not an authority telling you how it is for you, but I'm sharing this knowledge and let's look together at your life and see, does it show you something? Does it bring you some kind of insight or awareness? The second thing that I would see people do is sometimes I would share the information and then they'd say, you know, they'd come back a few weeks later and say, oh, well, you know, you said I'm not supposed to initiate, but I really wanted to do this thing. And, but I'm a generator, so I'm not supposed to. And they'd be sort of pissy about it. <laughs> and, um, and I'd be like, well, it, it's your life. It's not, I'm not giving, this isn't a set of like laws for you to like inflict upon yourself. Like you want to go initiate something, go ahead and do it. Just do it with awareness. Just be paying attention while you're initiating and see how it goes, you know, and that way you're, you're, you are actually experimenting with it. So I think people can get as much out of doing human design wrong as they can out of doing it right. Do it either way, but just be aware while you're doing it and, and take note of how it went. And then, and then you'll see if the information, if the knowledge holds up or not. That feels liberating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do it wrong for sure. Go do it wrong. And, it yeah, brings so much more levity mm -hmm. to the exploration. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I know you said, John, this might be a whole other conversation, but let's talk about what's on everyone's mind right now <laughs> <laughs> in, in a very unprecedented way. The entire collective across the globe have their attention on the same thing right now. Mm -hmm. And in the astrological community and through Ra's work in human design, we've been tipped off to these changes coming for some time now. People have been talking about, you know, the great change and the turning of the wheel and entering into a new epoch. And we're seeing maybe in a more accelerated way than we even anticipated things shifting in such a dramatic way. As this is happening, both of you as guides, what is your recommendation about working with the system of human design as these changes are taking place and there's so much uncertainty and everywhere from like fear and hysteria to 
um, maybe, you know, much more opportunity for creativity to break through. There's a lot happening right now. So what would you advise for people in this time? Well, yeah, it's, it, it, I think it is, it's obviously very relevant both to, you know, our original vision for the collective as, as it ha being something that could be useful or assist us during these, these changes that we're in of coming together with others and, and watching, looking, having awareness about it. And for me, kind of like you had said, it, I had been looking at these changes for a while, both, you know, through the astrological perspective and then certainly through human design, you know, with the global cycles and, and kind of wondering what 2027 would be about, you know, it, but it, it really seemed to be kind of this abstract thing for so long to me, like, well, that's interesting. How's that going to go down? And well, you know, wonder what that's going to be like. And, and then all of a sudden, well, maybe not all of a sudden, but it was actually seven years, almost to the month before the date that we're given or within months of that, um, we start seeing very dramatic world changes. And I don't think there's any, anyone out there who thinks that things are going uh, to be the same going forward or we're not experiencing a you know, significant shift or change in our society and in the world as, as we know it. And so, you know, I think the first thing, just generally speaking, it, it's, it's about awareness. You know, it's, it's for, you know, maybe I'm speaking from my design, which I tend to do a lot as a projector, but it's about seeing, watching, having awareness. And I think that's what's needed in, in a sense is some perspective. In, in, in what we're going through right now. And that can be kind of hard to, to find in, in maybe the mainstream at, at this point. Um, and then I guess more to the point, I think you know, what I try to, when I'm working with people, what I'm trying to emphasize in, if I'm able to provide some guidance, it's to, to kind of start, tuning inward and, and looking, looking inward for, for the individual's truth, for what resonates with them or what is, seems true to them in their own experience. In, in human design, we have something called authority, inner authority for that, um, which very specifically it talks about you know, that process for each individual and how it may be different for, for each person. And, you know, we can get pretty specific and detailed about it. And then that becomes part of this, this experiment that we're talking about, this testing it or verifying it for oneself. But to me, that's, that's kind of like the, the big thing that human design is, seems to be offering or that I can offer through human design. This transition that we're all in is, is for people to have another point of reference within themselves to come to some sense of clarity or truth or awareness about what's what's healthy for them, what's right for them, um, how to navigate the situation that we're in. That could that you know remains to be seen where this is going, but my sense is that that's going to become increasingly important as we move forward. Yeah, I had um, in my own explorations, I've thought about well, okay, here's the last seven year cycle until the new chapter begins in a sense, is this material going to be obsolete? And what would you say for those who kind of 
question the transition we're in now into the next um, background frequency that we're entering into. Just question that it's happening like it, that or the validity of the experiment. Yeah, this is an interesting question. It, <laughs> it's like, um, I think it's going to come down to the individual. You know, some people are going to be to, drawn towards this knowledge and, and feel called to experiment with it and to work with it and other people want, and that's okay. I think people have to check it out for themselves and, and, you know, just, just like we were saying earlier, just see if it, if it resonates or holds up in one's experience. I, I don't think there's any real value to trying to convince anyone of anything these days. And so I don't, I don't know if that's quite what you're asking, but that's kind of, I think, it's another way of saying, and this, this is where it gets, again, a little bit maybe uh, a little more meta, is you, there, there's this illusion that exists that, that I notice of, that we all tend to think that we're doing all of this or controlling all this, or we have this you know, total sense of agency in our lives. And if you examine that closely, that starts to break down. But then there, it becomes a process of, okay, well, what's, again, true for the individual? And, um, you know, we can, yeah, we can kind of, I'm trying to stay on topic. But we can go all sorts of places. Sure. I might need Amy to jump in and bring it back to center for me. <laughs> open throats, defined yep. throats. Open head, open, open heads, throats. defined heads. <laughs> um. God, I have so many things to say. I don't know how I'm gonna how I'm gonna bring it together. There there are a few things. So yeah, I guess to to go back to, to the start of this, it's so fascinating to me that I, I mean I remember very clearly there there was a specific conversation. I think that uh, John and I had both been kind of going through some different 2027 lectures. And for, for those of you out there who may not know about this, Ross said that we would be going through this big global shift in 2027. And I think at some point we were, we were both kind of going through these certain lectures and, and then started to have this conversation of like, oh my God, is this really going to happen? Like, is this stuff, I, which has been my experience with human design from the start. It's like each deeper level I'd go into, I would be like, oh God, are you for real? Really? Is this what this thing is saying? Like, I don't know about this. And then I would start to like, go a little deeper and go a little further and then observe it in people. And then it'd be like, Oh my God, there's something to this. This, this stuff is crazy. So with the 2027 thing, I feel like that came up and there was this way, I think we were, we were having this conversation. It was like, is this really going to happen? Like, is this really going to go down the way he's describing the way we're going to start to see institutions break down and governments break down and huge swaths of society going through all kinds of health shifts and, um, bonding shifts and is this really going to happen and now that we're in this place where it seems like oh it's happening there are there are several things that i feel so grateful so grateful to have been working with through the human design knowledge for for a number of years one is the what john was mentioning this concept of passenger consciousness this concept that we may be much less in control of what is unfolding in our lives than we realize. And if you've been working with this material for a while and you start to actually see some truth in that, 
I think it makes it a lot easier to accept when there are things happening around us that make us feel out of control um, or have us feeling like we aren't in control of things. So that passenger consciousness concept, I think, is something that's been really valuable to me to, to have a sense of. Um, the second thing is how intensely human design teaches the, the, the intensity of the observation of the difference between our true nature and our con conditioning experience. So you get to work with seeing how deeply we're each being bombarded with all kinds of energy and information on all different levels from person to person to media, global um, information level, how much we're, we're being um, bombarded really with all kinds of beliefs and uh, ideas that don't necessarily have anything to do with us. So this concept of homogenizing conditioning that comes through human design, I think is a really valuable one that if you've, if you've gotten a chance to work with this knowledge and observe that, then you can see that there's something to that. And then you can start to recognize what that feels like when that's coming in. And then um, the last thing that I would say that I've really gotten both through human design and through a lot of different spiritual and somatic practices is just the teaching of how valuable it is to be able to watch thoughts and watch emotions and not identify with them. To, to be able to watch how many thoughts, how, many, how much thinking passes through us that doesn't really necessarily have anything to do with who we are or what's important to us or what we would choose or how we would move through life. And the same thing is true of emotions, how much emotional energy and intensity we might experience in our bodies that still doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what we want to or what would benefit us to to do so i think to have those practices of being able to watch and not identify with those things and to develop us an internal kind of strength and sense of i am something that's beyond what i think it's beyond what i feel it's beyond what i'm being told it's beyond what somebody next to me believes or wants me to do I think to have that kind of a, a strength internally is something that people really need in times like this. So I, th I think that's what human design can really be giving us at, at this point with everything that's going on in the world. And, and I think people need it. I mean, my experience of this time has felt like I, I feel like I'm in the eye of a storm and, and that my life was already feeling like that <laughs> just in my own personal experiment. So now, I think there was some way I felt like, well, maybe the storm's going to calm down and then I'll just have like a nice, settled, simple life or something. But now that I look at what's going on in the world, I almost feel like, well, maybe this is just the new normal or this is the era we're entering into where life may feel like that for a lot of us, that all we have is to be able to be centered in ourselves or grounded in ourselves in some way that enables us to weather these storms that I think are probably going to keep coming in some form what comes up in response to what you're saying is strategy and authority you could kind of look at it as almost like a program or system interrupt or something it gives us something else our mind something else to as a point of reference to the homogenized 
influences that are coming in all the time and telling us how to how we should feel, what we should be doing, what we should be thinking, and something like strategy in terms of you know either waiting to be really seen or recognized before you speak or before you go into something or for a generator waiting to respond gives us an opportunity to kind of meet things directly as they are meet life directly as it is rather than what we think about it or maybe even what we feel about it in the moment and then to have this this other thing authority that we're, we're touching on to turn inward and see like okay well how does this really you know either feel to me or um do i have the will for this or what's my body telling me in this moment it is a bit like a pattern interrupt or can break us a little bit out of this current that's just moving us along i think that's end up being a, a pretty big gift in in all of this for us for those who you know want to explore that and experiment with it so what do you think about the world of you know the world view of i am the creator of my own experience and i have some kind of creational authority um, versus i'm entirely a passenger and there's no choice and i ask that in the context of the recognition that the universe is still birthing itself we're a baby of sorts <laughs> And as an individual in the larger story, um, you know, we're moving along in space, being held together in the illusion of our separateness is part of the frame here. Is there a place for creativity and, you know, visioning and sort of self-agency in the context of no choice? I think when we're saying through human design that we live in a no choice universe, or if we're saying I am not the creator of my life, we're really pointing to the fact of saying that the mind is not here to be the driver and the creator of the life, but the body is an active guide. There's a, there's a guidance system and an intelligence through the body that's here to be interacting with life. So to say, I'm not the creator, I think, it's very easy for the ego or the mind to get offended by that. And, you know, Ra called that our vanity, you know, that we, we, it's hard for us to stomach that we're not that important potentially, or our minds are not that important. But part of the witnessing process is actually, it's not about being passive or being a victim. It's about actually getting to sit back and watch how your body will naturally engage with life if you let it. If you let your body lead, it will naturally be moved. And that becomes a co-creative process. So it's not that you're not creative, it's that you let something besides your little mind <laughs> guide that creation. And I think we get a really, most of us get really inflated and distorted on this mental conceptual level, thinking that our minds have a better plan for our lives or that what I vision through my thinking brain, what I want to create is going to be so important and so much better than what life might hand me or what my aura might attract to me. 
I think it's a, a black and white kind of view that we go to easily, but it's, it reveals how identified I think we become with our minds. And also the, you know, the opposite I think of being a victim is actually getting to surrender and, and trust in something. And like, what a relief, like, isn't it great on some level to feel like you don't have to, we don't have to figure everything out and come up with some grand plan that's going to save the world and make our lives these spectacular experiences. Like what a, to me, what a relief to be able to, to trust that there's, there's something else going on and I can move with that. I don't have to control it. I don't have to dominate it. I don't have to come up with something better. So I, I find it to be a great relief and something that naturally becomes very co-creative and very engaged and very alive. But I think much more alive than a lot of the stuff we come up with in our heads. John, did you want to say something about that? Yeah, uh, I, I did have a few thoughts about that. Uh, I think that there is a place for, for some sense of agency, choice, um, what we might think of as free will or co-creation. And it tends to be, I guess I would say, it, it tends to be kind of my default in most cases. But there's, you know, there's that old um, wood carving that's kind of, that we see around in astrological circles. I think raw has it in um, some of the human design publications have it of that guy sticking his head out of the sky and the clouds, you know, it's, it's a really beautiful piece of art, but the, the symbolism of the, what that seems to be conveying is that there is another view. And I think something like human design and this system allows us to kind of step outside of our normal, reality context and, and, and see things a little differently, see them either from uh, a cosmic perspective or uh, the global cycle perspective or realize it simply that, that people are different. We can get outside of ourselves in a way. For me, it's a kind of a question of levels or perspective. I think we have to operate with some sense of co-creation and agency. It's, it's healthy for us to do that. And, and it allows us to play the game a, a certain way into to get the most out of, of life in you know, our time on this planet and being here. But if we really want to step back and, and stick our head out, out of the sky and look at things, that's where you start really kind of questioning, you know, some of these concepts like free will or, or, you know, self or choice. It's, it's a matter of kind of perspective. And, you know, to say it another way, I think that we have to operate, like that within the context of the, you know, what's referred to as the Maya, you know, this consensus kind of reality that we're all participating in and, and, and I guess creating as we go or that we're moving through. And that's where things like strategy and authority become so important within that context. Now, if you were to step outside of that or go beyond that, then that perspective shifts again and you start real you know, wondering and asking questions like, wow, does really any of this, you know, do we have control over any of this, you know, or does any of this really matter in, in you know, in, in the grand scale? And maybe it does. These are questions I simply don't know the answer to, and I will probably never know, but my open head sure likes to chew on them and, and, and look mm -hmm. at them. Yeah. What's coming to mind now after hearing both of you speak, um, 
what Ra has said about not getting the life we want or that we think we want, but getting the life that is there for us. So I'd like to just ask, you know, there's a lot of different kinds of podcasts out there in the world. And there's a lot of different ways to present this material. Why a human design collective podcast and why now? Amy? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a way to be able to talk about the information and find ways to relate it to real life. Find ways to make it integrated with life as people are experiencing it rather than having it be sort of sequestered in some kind of human design only study. So I think that's part of what we'd both like to see is is that we can be relating the the system to what people are experiencing in in everyday life, what's going on in the world in general, um, to be able to have a conversation about it and share it. And I also think human design is, is gaining in popularity. And I, I come across people all the time that pe- people seem to really like the podcast format. And it's, uh, it's an easier one for me, I think, in terms of different media formats. I, I like the vocal aspect of it. That works for me with my design. So I think there's a lot that people want to know right now. And, and I like the idea of getting to have some, something John and I also share in terms of how we've studied and, and you as well, Kendra, is an appreciation of being able to assimilate the knowledge from a lot of different sources mm-hmm. and really to get to kind of piece it together based on, huh, this person's saying this and I can see it's coming from their design, how they're built. And then, oh, now I'm getting, now I'm getting the knowledge from over here and from different countries and from different cultures and from men and women and different types and um, different authorities. And I think that's something that really appeals to, to probably all of us here, that the more different voices we could get, you know, I don't, I don't think John or I, and and I I doubt that you either are interested in being in some sort of like faction of of the system in any way. So yeah, we're, we're excited to get to open this up and maybe get to have some different teachers, different perspectives in here and come at it from all sides. I mean, to me, I think that's how we're going to get after the fullest picture of what's really going on here. So that's how I see it. Yeah. That's in line with how I'm looking at it as well. And a lot of that resonates with me. It's interesting being someone who has a lot of openness, um, open head, open throat. I really, and, you know, to take it a step further, you know, I'm a two, four in my profile, you know, the two's the hermit. That's kind of what's out front. And so when I think about the podcast and, and, you know, going into this also as a projector, my interest is in, is in other people. It's in hearing and, and seeing other people, people's experience or hearing their awareness, um, what they're, what they're noticing, what they're going through. Kind of like Amy was saying, getting different people on there and hearing lots of different perspectives as opposed to, you know, me sitting up there and talking for an hour. I don't, I really don't have that much to say in a vacuum. So it's, I want it to be interactive and I'm really interested in others. And so that's, that's kind of my orientation going into this. 
is it, I think it could be interesting. And, and ultimately, you know, podcasts are informational and they're kind of a form of entertainment. And there are a lot of people who, like Amy said, who are interested in this knowledge. And it, if we can kind of also to our point, if we can kind of relate it to what's going on and what we're experiencing and what we're seeing and kind of make it fun or a little bit, maybe less like mechanical or academic or, or, or something, then maybe we can all enjoy all this a little bit more and hold it a little bit more lightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything in particular that we can look forward to? Well, Amy and I have, topics or yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Amy and I have some ideas about who we'd like to hear from that we'll be reaching out and seeing if there is interest in, uh, in coming on the podcast and, and, and talking with us some human design teachers that we really like and, and, and other people as well. We, we want to kind of make this about, you know, if if you could call it the community or, you know, others, and, and it's not so much about, as I was saying, you know, about us getting up there on some platform. It's not really our orientation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We can't really say yet. We don't know. Yeah. We're, We're not sure who, who will be able to get in here, but I think, I think we're, we're excited to, to get some different voices in here from different, different parts of the world and different, different orientations. But I think also um, I, w- I would love to see us also bring in uh, some different voices working with different modalities as well to kind of see. I mean, I think these con- the concepts of true self and conditioning and deconditioning and listening to the body's intelligence and embodiment and empowerment. I mean, those are, those are things that are being worked with in a lot of different really valuable modalities, I think. So I certainly don't see human design as the and I'll be all of, of personal growth or awareness. So, you know, that's something we had talked about also with you getting to talk about some of your experience um, as well, because we have, we have access to a lot of people who have studied a lot of things really deeply. And I think it'd be great for us to get to look at the intersection between these different modalities and those themes of how we, whether you want to say grow up or develop or, uh, become more aware or wake up or become more embodied, more empowered, more alive, wh- whatever terms we want to use. I think um, there are a lot of systems going after that. Um, human de- design has its way, but I think there are a lot of places we could overlap. Well, this sounds exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I look so. forward to what's, what's going to come down the pike here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks so much, Kendra. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there, is there anything else that you would like to speak to as we wrap up here and look into the future of human design and where it's all going? (laughs) I I think I would say um, kind of what John was pointing to. I think two things are really valuable in life in general, but especially in these times, I think one of them is to be connected to allies or people or voices in your life that feel like a thread of sanity or support or empowerment for you. So I think that's something that we all can really benefit from right now. Um, so to just, yeah, stay, stay connected to the, the voices and the people that, that ring true for you and resonate with you and uh, hold on to your sense of humor. 
(laughs) (laughs) on tight (laughs) hold on tight to your sense of humor (laughs) because we're living in a wacky world and I don't mean to light of it I think it's it's something to traverse you know how to how to really be with things that are happening that are have extreme and intense and often very painful consequences for people and at the same time to, to also know that we, I think we all need that release valve. So whether that's to laugh or, or cry or just go into a ter- I think many of us are going to be taken into territories of emotion that we don't have words for. <laughs> it goes beyond just something's funny or something's sad. It's going to, it's complex what we're going through. So to have, to hold on to some humor, to hold on to some lightness any way we can in the midst of the depths think is also something we can help each other with so i concur (laughs) (laughs) well i really love you guys and i appreciate this time with you and and that you're just showing up to do this i look forward to hearing more from you and continuing the journey thank you kendra thanks so much kendra welcome Thank you for listening to the Human Design Collective podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please review us and share. For more information about us and to connect with others on this experimental journey, please visit us at humandesigncollective.com. You can also learn more by exploring our course and workshop offerings at courses.humandesigncollective.com. Music for the Human Design Collective podcast, courtesy of Role Model. For more information, see the show notes. And please stay tuned for more upcoming episodes on the same channel. Thank you.